no welcome. All right, no, no welcome. What's up? <laughs> how's it going, man? Hey, man, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Thanks. Love your art room. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, paintings and stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to uh, say thanks for putting the time to uh, do this. Yeah, but for Definitely sure. Definitely going to be a nice conversation. So we'll just jump straight to it. Let's Tell do it. What's your, what's your favorite movie and, and why do you like it? Well, my favorite movie uh, is The Dark Knight. And okay. as, yeah, uh, as, a, as someone who loves movies, it's a very well-made movie. Um, mm -hmm. Also, the story is, you know, it never gets old. It's always unfolding. Something else is always coming. I've watched it a few times in the theaters and I have it downloaded on my computer. That's cool. I, I've watched Dark Knight like maybe five, five times, six times. It's a good movie for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I really enjoy that movie. Um, I wouldn't say favorite, but another movie that I really liked was The Schindler's List. Um, okay. Yeah. You recommend that? I haven't watched it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a very heavy movie. It's the story of Holocaust, um, of everything that happened during the Holocaust, but it's very visual. Everything is there. You see everything. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is pretty dark. It is very dark. Yeah. It's very nice, though. It's a very well-made movie. It tells the story really well. I heard a lot about it. All right, I'll, I'll take a look at that. But definitely Dark Knight is, is one of those movies that's really interesting. The story, you know, the plot, the, the acting, everything is on point. Yeah, it's something that I never got tired of watching. Hmm. Like other movies I enjoyed, but The Dark Knight, I don't know, it just resonated with me to a very personal level, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. So what about a good book recommendation? Do you, do you have any good book recommendations? Yes. Um, again, a book that I talked a lot, talked about a lot, um, The Art of War by uh, Sun Tzu. Mm. Yeah. Um, he, he wrote a lot about um, how to win a fight, um, different aspects of the fight, um, mm -hmm. from the beginning stages of planning it to the end stage where you send um, spies into the enemy. But not, it doesn't only just talk about war, it talks about strategy and like how you can navigate through your life and strategize everything that you do. Interesting. Yeah, Art of War, I've, again, I've heard a lot about it. I haven't really got into reading the book. It's, it's a big book, right? It's yeah. very lengthy. Yeah. yeah. And it talks all about, like you said, right, strategy, um, emotional intelligence, being diplomatic when it comes to communicating with your opponents, things like that, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it talks a lot about um, human connections, like how you can interact with someone, how you can uh, <clears throat> uh, see what they're made of, basically, you know? And then how you can deal with it, how you can read people and then act accordingly. Cool. And you got through all the book, huh? Yeah, yeah. I read the book itself and then I read an analysis of the book as well. By, uh, some, oh, okay. Yeah. You went deep into that. Okay. I really like the book. Yeah, it's one of the few books that I actually finished. Well, yeah, that's another thing, by the way. People don't finish a lot of, like me, myself, I have books. I read maybe one-fourth, then I jump to another book. Then I come back to the one I read and like I finish it later. So yeah. it's good, good for you for finishing. I have another book laying around that I haven't finished. But yeah, it's one of the few books that I actually finished. Okay, and you recommend it. Cool. Yeah, absolutely, yeah um how do you deal like with your insecurities that's the third question that's a deep transition yeah yeah that's, yeah. A, that's a pretty fast transition 
Um, I usually face them head on. Um, you know, if it's something small or if it's something big, I just try to, you know, not hide it. Um, just face it head on. If I don't get a result from it, um, if I don't get something that I can, you know, uh, I guess build upon, then, you know, I'll, uh, I'll just leave it at that. But I usually have been pretty successful just facing everything head on and coming out the other side. And, and do you, do you write things down to recognize, first of all, what they are, acknowledge them? Like the thing is sometimes you understand what they are, but you're faced with a block when you want to, when you want to actually face them, right? Mm -hmm. You acknowledge it, but then you don't really know how to control it or how to face it. Have you like been in those kinds of situations? Well, writing, yeah, I write, or I write a lot. Uh, there's a lot of writing that I do in my books, on my uh, notes, on my phone, on my computer. Um, as far as like writing my steps down, writing my, the process down, no, not really. I just try to get myself personally involved in it until it's done, until it's not a insecurity anymore. Um, but about the whole thing, yeah, I might write about it maybe a week after, maybe a month after, hmm. maybe not at all. It depends on, you know, how I feel about that specific thing. I see. Okay. And talking about writing and everything. So I came across this concept called the Ikigai, so yeah. which is like a reason to be, right? And in different po points in our lives, we have different Ikigais. It doesn't have to be like one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so do you have one, you know, what, what's, what's your Ikigai look like? Well, it's funny you say that. Um, you actually told me about the concept of Ikigai. I started looking into it. And um, I, the thing is, it's not that easy to arrive at a very specific point when you're talking about an Ikigai. But um, I have an expectation of myself. Mm -hmm. And that would be my Ikigai if I were to point at just one thing. Um, that, you know, I know my, what my capabilities are. I know, uh, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And, um, just building myself to a point that I can, you know, uh, live up to my own expectations. That's my icky guy. I see. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. No, that's, that's interesting. So li living, living up to your own expectations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what I expect from myself, I don't, really pay attention a lot to what people say about me or what people say to me not that I ignore them I take if you know if there's a constructive point in it but um, you know everyone has opinions everyone expects people to behave a certain way because it works for them personally but um, yeah my ikigai would be what I expect me from myself and then just living up to that okay that's interesting yeah. because then because then you drown out all the other noises. Yeah. You only focus on what you expect from yourself because other people, like you said, they have different perceptions. They have a different reality. Then they project that most of the time, the feedback that they may give you is really based on their reality. I mean, mm -hmm. it helps to look at it or think about it, but then at, at, at the end of the day, it's you and what you really expect of yourself that That's you right. focus on. It also becomes a driving force for me. Um, so I guess back to insecurities again, uh, when I think about something that I not, that I'm not really good at, uh, it doesn't bother me as much as it gives me a 
push. It gives me, builds up on, builds up a momentum in me for me to just go out there and just start doing stuff, do more stuff, you know, just get myself involved in so many things that, you know, sometimes it becomes overwhelming, but I mean, at least I'm, you know, engaged with things that I wasn't usually engaged with. Okay. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, and I've seen that in you, you know, I've seen how when someone, you know, gives you feedback or mm -hmm. when you're, you're thinking about something and someone comes in to give their two cents, you know, sometimes you, you actually do listen, right? You, you take it in, you analyze it, but then at the end of the day, you do your own thing, right? Because you had this mental model about what you wanted to do in mind already and you don't necessarily get seriously swayed by mm -hmm. other noises that are coming in. But I, I do have to say, you know, it, it does help when you also take other people's feedback, you know, seriously, but not everyone, right? The, the people that you trust. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, when we talk even, you know, I take points from what you say about me, what, what you say about, you know, uh, how I must do a certain thing. And then I take points from it. You know, I take, yes. you know, this is an observation that you made and, you know, you obviously don't have an agenda against me. So, you know, there's something to be learned from what you say. I take it into yeah. consideration when I make a decision. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I don't have any agenda. I promise. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, okay. That's, that's cool. And let's talk about relationships here. I got a question for you on, you know, what you, what are, what are a few red flags for you when it comes to relationships? Now this can, really be an intimate one it can be a friendship or it can even be a business relationship um you know we can talk about each of them separately but what are some of the red flags that you you would you would see or consider and say ah okay that's that's one there yeah um well they all share a few things between them and that's communications right if the other party is not really there is not available it's you know part-time participation there's not really a lot of communication going coming back from that person or whoever that might be, if it's an intimate relationship, it's a partnership, friendship, whatever it is. Um, and also just being present, being, you know, available, just being a two way relationship. Basically I've had uh, just professional relationships with people that I did work for that, you know, was not really uh, willing to participate in the work that was done. You know, it was just, okay, do this and get out. And that is obviously a red flag. Um, yeah, as far as uh, intimate relationships go, like personal relationships, um, honesty, and uh, just being, people make mistakes too, yeah, right? Uh, if you own up to your mistake, if you uh, accept what you did was wrong, you know, that's, that for me is not a red flag anymore. But like arrogance, that's a red flag because it's just, it could grow into something um, that is not really salvageable anymore. It just creates drama and waste. Arrogance, huh? Arrogance, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. As far as so friendships basically, go. Basically, either half-ass relationships or um, relationships where the ego is involved a lot. You can't really get past that because arrogance, you know, comes from, comes from the ego as well. Mm -hmm. Or... Yeah. What else? What What else were you saying? Yeah. So if the person's not really there, you know, like so that um, yeah. if they don't really participate in the conversation, or if they, uh, you know, don't accept that, okay, you did this, and this is this hurt me this way, and they keep saying that no, you're wrong. 
well, you know, that just creates conflict. It just creates friction. And, you know, that's not healthy in any relationship. Um, yeah. In a friendship, uh, like a person to person relationship, um, again, honesty, uh, just being open to communications to a certain degree. You don't have to share everything, but you know, as long as, you know, we're talking, we're good. I see. Yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's important. Uh, it takes, it takes two to tango, right? So you yeah. gotta be in relationships where it's not just like giving or receiving. It's both, you know, you're giving and you're receiving at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, what, what new skills are you trying to learn? I have always wanted to learn programming. Um, right now I'm learning. Are you, Swift. Huh? Are you doing it though? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I've been working on Swift. Um, Swift. yeah, I used to do a little bit of JavaScript back in uh, high school, but it's not really a concept that I understood ever. Right. It's not a language that I can, yeah, it's not a language that I can look at and I can say, okay, I understand this. Um, but Swift is a, is a more simplified, uh, form of programming, I guess. So I've, I've had a a lot easier time with it. Um, I feel like in this day and age, being able to talk to a computer is more important than being able to talk to a person. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, you, you need to learn how to communicate with the computer if you want to do things that are more advanced, right. Or do some more advanced, uh, you know, basically programming you want to build things right you do it through a computer so for those who don't know what is swift um Um, swift is a very simplified uh language that you can make uh apps with on the um apple uh ecosystem um it runs through xcode that's only available on Macs. um but again it's a very simplified system that you can just learn the functions and learn the uh commands and learn you know the ifs and buts and whatnot and yeah go from there okay it's very cool. visual too yeah yeah I, I used to i used to code with swift a bit back in university and actually with with xcode because that mm-hmm. was the uh that was the platform on which you would you would program it is good when it, it comes to building apps especially like you said for for apple yeah and uh no that's that's interesting it's, it's a good skill to learn for sure i always wanted to dive deeper into programming but then i realized it's better if i understand the code rather than know how to code mm-hmm. because i don't want to be that much of a technical person anyways but that's that's good that's good definitely being able to yeah. be with the computer yeah no the reason i'm trying to learn it is because as you know i have a lot of ideas that you know if i have the knowledge i can implement and i can just make something out of the idea so it's not at the idea stage anymore but to pay someone else to write an app for me just to try it out is you know not really sustainable at this point to pay ten thousand dollars for someone to just write an app to see how it looks like a cool yeah and well, <laughs> this works and with all the ideas that you have yeah definitely because like you said you have a lot of ideas mm-hmm. but you can't always ask someone to code those for you but then at the same time, you also want to focus on your own strengths. So mm-hmm. see how much effort you're putting into this. If you actually learn really fast, then that's good. But if it's going to take you like 25 years to become a very good Swift code expert, then... You know, yeah, by the time you get there, the industry is five levels ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. need iPhone apps anymore. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. All right. So 
Next one is, what is your biggest fear? <clears throat> it's not one fear. Um, obviously, as a person, I can't just point out, okay, this specific thing is my fear. But um, I guess losing something that is good to me, um, either it's a relationship or a job or a, even an object, you know, a car, a computer, whatever. Losing something that is good to me is always at the back of my mind, okay, that if I lose this, you know, something bad is going to happen, that triggers a chain of events inside my head also. Um, yeah. Um, again, not living up to my uh, icky guy, living up to my own expectations, that's a fear, but it's not a fear that, you know, I'm terrified of, it's a fear that creates a drive in me, creates, a, just makes it into a push, um, but yeah. Okay, so do you have a lot of fears in general or are you living your life? Because not really, man, I'm pretty chill. Your life is not fear-driven, is it? No, not at all. Okay, interesting. So losing something that's valuable or someone that's valuable to you or not living up to that you know, expectation that you set for yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, and if you could have you know, dinner, if you could sit down and have lunch or dinner with someone dead or alive, uh, who would it be and what would you guys talk about? Um, all these questions, I'm not going to give one, one answer. Okay. So, okay, sure. Just get ready for that. Um, two people that I really would like to sit down and talk to. Um, Jeff Bezos is one of them. He's a very interesting businessman. He took a very simple idea and made it into a huge, huge, uh, business it's made him the richest person in the world not only that his business is expanding to everything we do today um, everyone orders something from amazon beside that every everyone shops at uh, whole foods people go to uh, amazon web services to do their uh, you know whatever they need to do on amazon web services to offer a ton of a ton of different services there um, for web optimization to uh, seo to mm -hmm. That kind of thing and so also, what would you what, what would you ask him what would you sit down and talk about just because he's the richest guy in the world man you know he wouldn't sit down like uh, for for five hours with you right so you want you have like 30 minutes or one hour bro the guy's the richest person in the world he can do whatever he wants <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell him what to do but yeah no i would just talk to him i would talk to him about how he uh will ask him about how he managed to believe in himself when everyone else was you know, looking down on his business model to start selling books to get um, recognition back in 1997. I mean, the internet was nothing back then. And this guy had an idea that, okay, if we start selling something that everyone wants, then we can upgrade uh, into selling that everyone, uh, selling stuff that everyone needs. So, you know, that takes a lot of dedication, takes a lot of uh, self-belief, takes a lot of, uh, motivation to just stick to your guns and do one thing for 20 years and see the result at the end of the 20 years yeah so that's a that's a really uh cool motivational person for me and also someone else that i would like to sit down and talk to is quentin tarantino oh okay yeah, his 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 movies are pretty cool <laughs> yeah the yes, way he writes his yeah. scripts and the way he directs his movies i i like that I definitely appreciate the scripts and yeah. the converse, the, the dialogues, you know, 
in, in the movies. They're very entertaining, very funny. And his, his movies seem like uh, books, you know, like there's different chapters within the movie itself. Yeah. And the flow of it with the script is just, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. So what would you ask him? Uh, how should you come up with the conversation? Uh, what was, how did you come up with the conversation that happened to Pulp Fiction? What triggered that whole <laughs> back and forth for half an hour? Royale, Royale with cheese. Yeah, Royale with cheese and the foot massage and, you know, <laughs> all of that. Um, so, yeah, that. Okay, that's cool. So, Quentin Tarantino and Jeff Bezos. Okay. And so, talking about Jeff Bezos and, you know, his success over the past few decades. What would you think is the most important invention in the past 20 years? Well, it would have to be the internet. It would have to be the internet because... I, I, I wanted to... I, I, I kind of hoped that you wouldn't say that. That's why I said 20 years. Let's just assume the internet came in 25 years ago. The, the World Wide Web, like, sure, it was like the dot-com bubble was in 2000, but excluding the internet, what do you think? As the, the, touch, the touch screen. Which one? Touchscreen. Touchscreen. Yeah, touchscreen okay. because it allowed phones to have uh, a user interface that you could do anything on. So yeah. there's no more plastic keyboard that you can you have to interact with for the purpose of having a keyboard. You know, like yeah. when you have a touchscreen, you can touch anywhere on the screen and it will do a million different things mm -hmm. depending on what is in front of you. So that and it's and it's enabled a lot of innovation too, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah, a lot of games, a lot of apps, a lot of different apps, actually, not just games. And then you, you also see digital arts now, you know, people are creating things on their own iPads, their own iPhones. Yeah. It's definitely something. And uh, I think Sony Ericsson had a few touchscreens way before iPhone came out, but they weren't but that the good. Stylus. Yeah, they had the stylus and it wasn't very accurate. It was like a mesh kind of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was the, I think it was, one of them was P990. And uh, yeah, the, the Sony Ericsson P990, you had to really press on the screen so that the thing can open. Like you had to be kind of aggressive with it. Like do this so that the, the app opens up. Yeah, it, it always that. had that flexible membrane on top of the screen. So when you pressed it, you actually felt it flexing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too, yeah. Until the iPhone came out, then it was really seamless right yeah. they just kept getting better mm -hmm. okay start screen cool yeah and what what about uh the future excites you when it comes to whatever it is right technological advancements or or any other sort of thing um just basically where we're going from here i mean where we are right now is pretty is the most advanced technology available to us right now mm -hmm. and where we're going from here um i feel like uh Technology is going to move from physical objects a lot towards uh, something that we can't really touch, but we can interact with a lot more. Um, yeah. So that, excited to see what that has to offer. Not excited. I mean, it's kind of terrifying as well. <laughs> well, that's the thing that I, I wanted to put a positive twist to it to, to have some gleam of hope for the future. But what you said, right, like it's exciting, but it's also like what's going to happen, especially with like the microchips and let's say the neural link that uh, Elon Musk is, is creating. Right now it's for patients, obviously, you know, with let's, let's say dementia, but eventually when it becomes available to the general public, you know, what's, 
what's that going to look like? What's going to happen? I'm sure it, it can it can help a lot. It's interesting. Obviously, it has a lot of downsides or potential downsides as well. But yeah, it's it's exciting to be able to communicate with someone without even talking to them, for example. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like once, let's say let's call it Neuralink for now. Once that's implemented into twenty people. It's not just communications anymore. You can have, you can know about each other's thoughts. You can know about each other's feelings without even looking at the person. You know, that is, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. <laughs> I mean, it's the future. So let's be excited about it. The least we could do. Yeah. But imagine if you could hear everyone's thoughts, man. Like that's, that's going to be something, you know. That's going to be a lot of noise. <laughs> a lot of noise. A lot of noise. Um, okay. And. What about you? Do you have any questions for me? Uh, yes, two questions. So going back to your questions, um, what is your current Ikigai? That's a good question. My current Ikigai would be to develop very good relationships. Um, mm -hmm. So being able to, at this point in my life, create some relationships that are going to mean something to me, uh, even in the long run, not just you know, people that I party with or people that I uh, only spend my good times with. I want to develop relationships with people where they're there for my good times, but then they're also there when things are ugly, things are messy, things like that. So basically creating meaningful relationships. So these are not just professional relationships or friendships. These are just people that you can have around yourself that you can call friends, basically. That happen yeah. to be your coworkers, happen to be your neighbor, your buddies, whatever else, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Anyone who you know, basically, our our energies, you know, match with each other. Because, like you said, it can be at work. You know, at work, I have some friends that I can, you know, be myself with. Anyone that I can be myself with, you know, and I'm comfortable being that and doing the things and saying the things that I usually say, um, then yeah, I, I think that those are those are good now obviously granted that they also need to challenge me and i need to challenge them you know obviously we don't only want people who are always just listening and saying yeah you're right you're right just affirming what we say so i mean that's part of the package of the meaningful relationship why is why are you smiling man you're right <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 you're right <laughs> so that's my that's my current ikigai that's good man. that's good that's a very good ikigai to have um, I think like um, this is not just a current Ikigai for you. This has been uh, one of your Ikigai since uh, I got to know you a few years back. And I don't think it's going to stop being your Ikigai for a while. Forever. Mm. That's, that's a good point. That's a good yeah. point. You don't, you don't suddenly stop. You're like, all right, now I'm not looking for any meaningful relationships. <laughs> no more people, that's it. <laughs> just, just trash people from now. No more. I'm, I've hit my capacity for meaningful relationships. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a that's a good key guy. Um, also, what excites you about the future? Future of anything, by the way, not just. What excites me about the future? That's mm -hmm. okay. That's that's an interesting question because I, I asked it. So. <laughs> <laughs> What excites me about the future, one of the things that excites me about the future is, is the potential that education can have. So mm -hmm. I'll say two things. One of them is that the potential that education can have, because 
early childhood education is very important. And it's at those stages where you start really forming and developing a character, even at an age where you don't necessarily know a lot about the real world, but you're still being formed. So in your family, in your school, how your parents' relationships are, you know, the things that you learn in, in school and the way that you're taught it and the content that you're taught. So I think that people are starting to become more aware of how important that stage of, of a child's uh, life is and how we can actually teach them and what we can teach them so that they can be adults who are able to problem solve, who are able to think critically and also be able to look at the world, not just from a lens of, oh, uh, what's in it for me, but thinking about the collective good, right? So. Uh, because that way the world can be a much, much better place. And I think the foundation is, is education. It's not necessarily, you know, curing the problem that adults have, but preventing those problems right from an early stage. So that's, that's one thing that excites me. And then the second thing is the use of, you know, psychedelics in treating, uh, you know, patients and that the, the research and development that they're doing in, uh, you know, understanding the effects that psychedelics can have on the minds of, you know, different kinds of people, people with different problems, anxiety, PTSD, depression, etc. So really looking forward to, you know, knowing what, where that's going to go. Interesting. Good yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I want to thank you again for hopping on. It's been a nice conversation. Thanks for hosting this. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And uh, really, really interesting, you know, points that you mentioned, you know, back and forth. Appreciate it. And uh, hope you're enjoying Montreal, man. Yeah, man. Hope to see you soon. All right, bro. Take All care. Right. Take care. See ya.